like to speak to you or challenge on the thought of Monday church, Monday church this morning. Hopefully this will be a good challenge to us this time of year. I love Christmas for so many reasons. It's, it is my favorite holiday. Uh, I do love Thanksgiving. I do love Easter. But man, there's just something about Christmas. It's the birth of Jesus Christ, the, the whole miracle around it. And it was the, uh, the, the prelude to everything that had to happen afterwards. The crucifixion, the resurrection, the, the ascension, and of course now the excitement about his second coming and what a blessing that is. But when you think about this, this thought here, we, we in a society today, I think, have, have such a different perspective of church in 2023 than maybe we did in 1923 or in, even in 1973 or 1983. Uh, church has become a, uh, an item of, of discussion across many social media platforms. Um, and I want to remind you today that biblically speaking, church is a physical place. It is a place. And Paul writes to several locations. He writes to the church at Corinth. He writes to the church at Thessalonica. He writes to the church at Ephesus. Revelation chapters 1, 2, and 3 are, or chapters 2 and 3 really, are Jesus speaking to seven churches. The church at Smyrna, the church at Laodicea. But we also know that this is probably the more important definition, is the church is the called out assembly. Meaning it's, it's people. It's, it's Christians. We are the church. We are the, the called out assembly. We are the ones that Jesus Christ saved. And when the Bible talks about in the book of Acts how he purchased the church with his own blood, we know he's talking really specifically about people, about you and me. Now, people are today living, we, I feel like today church has become more of a, I'm going to go to the church that's most convenient for me. Uh, people nowadays seem to have a hard time or a difficult time registering any kind of level or measurement of sacrifice for church or Christianity. We become very convenient. Everything's about convenience. Online church and well that doesn't that doesn't really go well with my time and I'm amazed at how I don't think most of us would get away with treating our work schedule like we would our church schedule. Um, and and I understand that there's people say all the time well there's not really a biblical commandment that you're supposed to have church on Sunday morning or Sunday night or on Saturday night or on whenever it is the particular churches have it. But there's also not a biblical commandment about when you're supposed to go to work either. In fact, the Bible, the Bible says we're supposed to work six days a week. I, I guess we're disobeying the Bible when we take Saturday and Sunday off, right? But I'm being a little silly here with all that. The point I'm trying to make is this. The world today does not have a clear definition or understanding of church and it is our opportunity and our privilege and our blessing to show them what church is really all about. You see, we are uh, living in a world now where we typically will, like for example, when someone, I, I got this clip the other day, it was really good. If someone were to get up here and play Beethoven and play it horribly, we would not blame Beethoven. It's not his fault, but we blame the piano player, right? I mean, we, we would not blame Beethoven. And yet sometimes Christians don't represent Christ well. And sadly, Christ gets blamed for that a lot of times. May I remind you today that Christianity is not defined by Christians. Christianity is defined by Christ. Jesus Christ is the definition of Christianity. As I visit and I meet people and try to encourage people to come to church and, and invite them to church, oftentimes I hear this statement, well, that church is full of hypocrites. And I'm like, you are exactly right. If it wasn't full of hypocrites, we wouldn't need it. If it wasn't full of hypocrites, we wouldn't need Christ. If I represented Christ 100% of the time, perfectly like I should, I would not really need Jesus Christ to begin with. 
I am a sinner. I am a flawed person. However, Paul gives us a good challenge here. And Paul says this. I love, I love the, the, the opening statement. I only have two statements for the message today. A lot of this stuff is introductions. So look at verse 1. He says, Do we begin again to commend ourselves? Or need we, as some others, epistles of commendation to you? Or letters of commendation from you? Paul is saying here, do I really need a pat on the back? Do I really need to pat you on the back? Do I really need to get a shout out? Do you really need a shout out? I observe on social media today that a lot of people are taking to social media to have Christian debates, ultimately to show that they are right. The poster rarely ever admits that they're wrong. They usually post what makes them define as right. And it doesn't always mean they are right just because you think you're right. I have thought I was right many times. And my, lovingly, my loving wife reminds me that I was not right. How many have a wife like that? That's a blessing I have a once in a while. Where you know, you feel like you're right about it. You know you're dogmatically, you're 100% right about it. But your sweet wife looks at you in a loving way, which is the, always the way my wife does it, and says, you are wrong. And I swallow my pride and say, you're right, you're right, I'm wrong. Right? So, <laughs> some of you, it got real quiet right there. How many of you men are always right? Oh, He's right. That's how Brother Nick is. We always, my family teases about my brother. My brother Nick, he's never wrong no matter what. He's going to come up with a reason why he's right. Now, Cassie, is it true that he's always right? <laughs> so, so. Okay. Uh, we'll plead the fifth on that. We'll ask your, we'll your mother in law later about that. I'm sure she has a, an opinion on that. But the fact of the matter is, is in this time, Christmas is coming up. Yeah, I know. We can debate all. Well, he wasn't, we don't know if he was born December 25th. Okay, I get all that. Listen, listen. Do you have Christmas trees? Do you not have Christmas trees? I'm not interested in those conversations. Here's what I'm interested in. Telling this world or reminding this world that Christmas is really not about Santa Claus, trees, wreaths, or presents. I love that stuff. I have no problem by it. My big God is not threatened by Santa Claus. He's not threatened by a Christmas tree. We don't worship the Christmas tree in our house. It's a beautiful decoration, just like all those other Hobby Lobby decorations hanging in my house right now. That's one place Amazon has not capitalized in our house. Hobby Lobby is still king at our house. My wife and her love for Hobby Lobby. Lord Jesus, may Hobby Lobby not be in heaven. I know it's a Christian company, but please do not let Hobby Lobby be in heaven. But I'm teasing a little bit there. But what I'm saying is this. When people see our lives, they should be reminded of Christ. Not because we're perfect, but because of a consistent pattern we establish. A Christian today needs to be more consistent than ever. And I think the consistent Christian now can make a bigger difference than has ever been made in the history of mankind. Uh, let's back up a few chapters real quickly by way of study. Go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, and then we'll come back to 2 Corinthians 3 and give you a few more statements, and then we'll be done. Here, here's what the Bible says in verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, unto the church, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth. Again, there he's establishing that there is a church at Corinth. There is a known, there is a known active body of believers there at Corinth. With all the saints which are in Achaia, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul is establishing here that there is a church that he's going to address. He is talking to this church, this group, this called out assembly. These saints are in this place. He addresses Timothy, our brother. It's a family thing. It's wonderful. To be, it's beautiful to see. Now let's go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And people again say churches are full of hypocrites. However, we can change that trend if we realize that church isn't just Sunday. Church is Monday. Church is Tuesday. 
Church is Wednesday. Church is Thursday. Church is Friday. Church is Saturday. Oh, we don't come here to the physical location of church, but we get to have church every day. We get to be the epistle. You see, the fact of the matter is many people that you're going to go work with tomorrow, many people that you're going to be around tomorrow, people you'll bump into in public, most likely in this generation, in this time frame that we're living in, they might not have attended church on the Sunday prior to you meeting them on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday. So guess what? They're probably not going to open up the book of Romans. They're probably not going to open up the book of Ephesians. They're probably not going to look at 2 Corinthians. They're not going to read Philippians. But you know what? You and I get to be the epistle that stands out in this world today and shows this world, watch this now, that there is something real to the Christian life. There is something real to the Christian life. You see, lost people are watching. Backslidden Christians are watching. People that are just hurting and struggling are watching. And now as we enter this Christmas season, it's time to show this world and remind this world what it's all about. How 2,000 years ago, the God of heaven gave us the greatest gift birth of a virgin in miraculous fashion there was no room for him in the inn he was born in a lowly stable in a manger with animals looking on with lowly shepherds called in to witness the the post-birth activities of Jesus Christ and angels declaring it out on the backside of a desert and you think about the miracles of this that's no way a king should enter this earth that king should have come in on a royal uh, caravan he should have been pronounced and announced by all the rulers and leaders of this world. However, the birth of this full-blooded Jew threatened the most powerful man in the land that day, Herod. And the whole world was changed. Satan got nervous. The whole world was shocked when the birth of this baby was, took place. And listen to me. He came in humble fashion. Why? Because he wants the whole world to know that Jesus is for everybody. He's for everybody. He is for everybody. It's not an accident that shepherds were called to his post-birth rather than Pharisees. It's not an accident that shepherds got to come and see the newborn baby after he was born and not kings and religious leaders. God was telling us that the lowliest of lows in society of that day were just as important to the arrival of his birth as anybody else out in this world that day. I get it. We live in a society with structures and neighborhoods are denoted by houses. And except in Arkansas, man, it's a Arkansas is awesome, man. Right, brother Chris? There's like a trailer, a mansion, trailer, a mansion. I mean, Arkansas is just a, a unique state. You got to get a passport nowadays to go there, amen. But 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 there's no. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. And now more than ever, we Christians need to be the epistle that they read on our day-to-day activities that they might start asking the questions that need to be answered. Because the government is going to try to answer that for the next 12 months. The Republicans and Democrats are going to try to tell you why they're the best one to get your vote. Whether it's for the governor or for the president. And I'm a patriot. I'm going to vote. I'm going to be engaged in that. But may I say something to you today? This lost world, this man that's struggling out there to keep his marriage, that woman, that single mom that's raising her children, that family that's struggling to pay their bills, that man that's about to lose his job, you know what he really needs? He needs to see somebody who reminds him of somebody that was born 2,000 years ago who changed this world and loved everybody and would minister to anybody. Monday church, Tuesday church, Wednesday church, Thursday church, Friday church, Saturday church. That's what Christmas is all about. Jesus came so we can go. 
Jesus died so we can live. We talked about that last week. Jesus resurrected so that we can show. And people we come in contact with day in and day out have lost touch with that necessary message. However, you and I have the potential to introduce them to that message again. So there's two simple statements I want to give you today based on 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and I'll be done. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1 and 3 through 3 again. The Bible says this, Do we begin again to commend ourselves, or need we as some others epistles of commendation to you, or letters of commendation from you? Ye are, are, are our epistles. Ye are, look at this, present tense, our epistles. Look at this, written in our hearts, known and read of all men. For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshy tables of the heart. You see, the Old Testament, they carried the law around. The Old Testament, you pretty much had to be a Jew or you were outcasted. Today, it's different, man. We have hope for this world. We've been, we've been introduced to the very personification of hope in Jesus Christ. And now, number one, statement number one, they can know us and read our epistle by, here it is, number, statement number one, by testimony. By testimony. Testimony is still powerful. If you don't believe me, go to a courthouse this week. Testimonies all over the world determine whether or not someone's going to go to jail or not go to jail. Testimonies, and sometimes they're not true, and sometimes they're, sometimes they're false, and sometimes they are true. Sometimes they're, they're, they're significant, right? But I want you to look at this here again. By testimony, we don't carry a law around anymore. Rather, we are light in the darkness. We are not to showboat our faith, but rather to shine the love. We don't think ourselves better, but just blessed. We don't represent a religion of stone, but rather a tender heart of Christianity. This is our testimony, Monday through Sunday, every day when we get up. We are not a perfect people. We are a flawed bunch. We are sinners saved by grace. We make mistakes. We fall and stumble. We make mistakes just like everybody else out there. But just something different happened to me. One day I met Jesus, and it wasn't a baptismal tank that gave me that hope. It wasn't a man-made religion that gave me that joy. It wasn't church building that gave me that, that excitement. But I met Jesus one day. I got born again. I got saved. My testimony today is this. I'm not better than anybody, but I met the perfect Son of God. I'm just blessed. Why am I blessed? Because I'm saved. Because I'm forgiven. Because I have joy. Because I have hope. I have everything I need spiritually speaking to help me make it in this world and that is my testimony and I'm sticking by it but many times as a Christian you won't get to stand up on a box at your workplace and say that what you can do is show it in your day-to-day walk in your life I love that old quote that says preach the gospel and if necessary use words every day you and I have the opportunity to be different than what society is promoting. Every day you and I have the opportunity to be love where there is hate. Every day you and I have the opportunity to be light where there's darkness. Every day you and I have the opportunity to be forgiveness where there's bitterness. Every day we can show this world there is a different way. There is a better way that Christians were called. They didn't know what to call these Christians in the book of Acts. The first thing they called them was people of this way. People noticed there was something different about them. And can I tell you something? I love that title. People of this way. 
there's a certain way. There's a certain life we live, and it is different. Again, I emphasize it, not that we're better than anybody, but because we've met the best one of all. Listen to me. Then, they, then it finally moved to this, the Antioch people. They said they were called Christians first at Antioch. They said, man, what are we going to call these people? Christians did not stand up and declare the world to call them Christians. They did not say, hey, I want everybody to know we're calling ourselves this. I'm assigning myself to this crowd. I'm assigning myself to this people. Paul's saying that's not necessary. We're not supposed to commend ourselves to this group or commend ourselves to that group and be assigned to this group and that group. I'm a child of Christ. I represent Jesus Christ. He is my identity. He is my definition. He's the one that died on the cross. He's the one that shed his blood. He's the one that lived again three days later. He's the one that was born into this cruel, dark world. He's the one that walked on water and raised the dead and fed the multitudes. He's the one that saved my soul. By testimony today, I want this world to know that I am a Christian. But not because I have to constantly tell people I am. Because people see it in my life. Jesus Christ, I just talked to the teens how in John chapter 4 when he went and met the woman at the well. His end game was obviously to preach the gospel and save the whole city and that, that's what happened. But teenagers, what did we talk about this morning? Long before he even really preached and saved the, the city and told him about himself and the real reason he was here, he had an engaging conversation with a woman who most of society would have rejected. For sure the Jewish disciples struggled with it. But Jesus knew the power of being a living epistle. He was the best at that. He was our example at that. He was the living testimony. He was the testimony of God incarnate. And he loved that woman. So much so he got interested in her personal life. Go call thy husband. I love it. I told the teens. It's hilarious. She said, sir, I have no husband. And Jesus almost like, good job. You're right. You answered that question right. Well, of course she knows that she's not married or not. Right? But he says that to her. Because she became the most important person on the planet to Jesus at that specific moment. And you know who believed that for a second? The woman at the well. Christians today have become, we're dangerous with treading on what I call non-biblical mathematics. There's biblical mathematics and there's non-biblical mathematics. Biblical mathematics is addition and multiplication. In fact, you see those exact words added and multiplied in the book of Acts. Non-biblical mathematics is division. Satan loves to divide. He wants people that are going to go to heaven with somebody else that's going to go to heaven to fight with each other all the time. And I haven't found a verse in the Bible yet, but I'm sure you're going to have your mansion right next door to the person you've been bad-mouthing all this time on earth. It's in the Bible somewhere. I'm going to find it. But biblical mathematics, do you understand today that we can be against something without ever really being against it, but rather for something? Do you understand that when I'm for holiness, it automatically makes me against sin, not the sinner, but the sin? That when I'm for love, I'm against hate? That when I'm for, but Christians today, we sometimes build our soapboxes on everything that we stand against, and we forget to tell the world what we stand for. Jesus even said this statement one time, if they're not against us, they are for us. Even when his disciples protested, hey, they're doing the same things we're doing over there. And Jesus said, that's right. They're not against us, they're for us. I've learned this, that when you stand for the truth and love people, you don't have to divide from people. They usually divide from you. I don't want to be divisive. I want everybody to love me. I want everybody to think I'm the best preacher on this planet. If you don't, I'm sorry. But it, it, we almost are on a crusade today to, to stir the pot all the time. And the lost world looks at us and says, I don't want what you are talking about there. By testimony. That's the first thing, consistently. But then number two, notice this one, and I'm done. 
How will they know about Monday church? How will they know about Tuesday church? How will they know about Wednesday church? How will they know that we understand the real meaning of Christmas? We understand the real meaning of Easter. We understand Thanksgiving in a different way than most of this world understands it. How will they know that? By testimony. Number two, by good old-fashioned observation. They watch. They are watching. Look at verse 2 of the same chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2. Ye are our epistle written in our hearts, known, that's the testimony, and read, that's the observation of all men. For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. And such trust have we through Christ to Godward, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency, look at this, is of God, who also have made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. Tomorrow, somebody's going to read you. Tuesday, somebody's going to read you. Wednesday, somebody's going to read you. What will their takeaway be? Man, I failed. <laughs> I have failed many times. I have chapters in my life that I'm ashamed of. I have excerpts and readings that I'm, I'm disappointed in. I have not represented Christ as well as I should have. I've been guilty many, many times. God forgive me for that. But boy, do I desire and long, especially in 2023, especially as we see the day approaching, especially as we know that Jesus is coming back at any given moment, especially as we see this world in more need of Christ than they've ever needed, especially as we see sinners that are starting to grasp and look for the answers to all their problems, especially as we live in this confused world, Babylonian doctrine prevails, what's going on in Israel, what's going on in Ukraine, what's going on globally. Hey, while all that stuff's going on, it's time to be an epistle that people People read and say, I want to keep reading that epistle until they finally say, I want your Jesus. I want your Christ. Today, church, I challenge you to join me, especially this Christmas season, to live out Monday, church, and Tuesday, church. By the way, the book of Acts, they met for church every day. I mean, seven days a week, they were always in church. They were, I mean, they turned the world upside down. We're living in a busy world. I get that. But in all of our busyness, as our families watch our kids grow, as we go to work, as we parent, as we grandparent, as we, as we live in this world, as we go, have daily interactions with different people, may we know that somebody is reading us all the time. And it's not about commending myself to you or you commending yourself to me or me saying I'm better than you, you're better than me, or I'm always right, you're always wrong, or you're always right, and I'm always wrong. It's about this. It's about, would somebody think of Jesus when they watch my life? That's when people start reading the epistle that can change their eternity too. Monday church, Tuesday church, Wednesday church, Thursday church, Friday church, Saturday church. And then of course we come to church on Sunday, but let's be church seven days a week and make a difference in the reader's lives out there. Hedge about eyes close. Thank you for listening so well.
the sky grew dark and then it touched his face what he felt he had never known now he can say I've seen the rain I've seen God's blessings flow I've seen the rain I've felt his hand touch my soul How could I live and never know The joy his presence brings I know he is real His hand I feel I know I've seen the rain My children never wonder what it is I need when I speak of how I felt God move and His Spirit met with me. How easily we could lose what we have today. The future is in our hands. Will we hear them say? I've seen the rain, I've seen God's blessings flow, I've seen the rain, I've felt his hand touch my soul, how could I live and never know the joy his presence brings, I know he is real, his hand I feel. I know I've seen the rain